When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, qué golazo. Magnífico. Gol. Qué golazo de Bellerín, gol del Arsenal. Gran gol de Bellerín, 1-0. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, how are you feeling this uh, this Monday morning? How, good weekend? Uh, it was a good weekend. I'm still feeling a little worse for wear. As you know, we had the Arse Blog five-a-side tournament on Saturday and I'm, I'm not a natural athlete, so the consequences of that particular excursion are still with me. Yes. Yes. Um, you're, can you empathise with that? I certainly can. Certainly with the not-a-natural-athlete thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm very much down with that. It should be noted that your brother scored the winning penalty. He did. He did. In what I feared would be a terrible omen for the weekend's events, mm. um, as far as, as Chelsea go. But, yeah, no, he, he did. He outshone me. I didn't score a single goal in the tournament, or and my team didn't win a single game. Mm. I mean, I, I'm sure that's just coincidence. But, yeah, yeah, you know what I think? I think you need a new goalkeeper, a new uh, defensive midfielder, uh, a world-class striker, and whatever else it was he said that we need. That would be good, wouldn't it? Four <laughs> new players and a world-class striker. Yes, yes. Um, but you yourself picked up the Golden Boot Trophy. Correct. I scored a lot of goals. I scored Amazing. a lot of goals. Yeah, we, we didn't do particularly well as a team in terms of our overall results. I think we won one lost two and drew one but right. um yeah but you were sort of you're more about the individual i mean you're like the cristiano ronaldo oh absolutely tour. yeah i mean i like was yeah. topless celebrating my goals getting my neck muscles out there for everyone it was it was majestic it has to be said but uh sure. no great fun great fun overall and that is why uh i'm a little bit croaky this morning you know that that tends to happen when you know there's there's the odd drink taken when this event takes place you see Mm. Mm. Yeah, that can be the case. I escaped actually slightly early because I went to see the Avengers. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Did I mean, you enjoy? Spoiler it? alert! Okay, yeah, spoiler alert: the world is in danger, and they save it. Wow! So who could have seen that coming? See it, don't bother now. You know the whole plot. Yes. Well, I, I wasn't thinking about going to see it. Um, no, no, not really. I'm not a huge fan of the cinema in general. There's too many people around me eating and things. I don't like that. But Mrs. Bloggs has already seen it as well because she had to do a film review for, for RTE. She enjoyed it. She enjoyed yeah, it. That's all right. There was a woman sat right in front of me who was talking the whole way through. That was pretty annoying. Yeah. I, I, I said something, uh, uh, you know, but I hate doing that. I'm not naturally confrontational. What, what did you say? I'm, I, I'm like the opposite of Roy Keane. I'm not a sportsman. I'm not confrontational. Um, I said, shh. <laughs> So, you know, I think I made my feelings pretty clear. Yeah, she was left in no doubt as to what your message mm. was. And and did she shh 
for a short period of time, but you know, it was a, it, it was a sticking plaster over the problem. I and think it peeled off. I think that in those circumstances, it should be legal, in fact, almost mandatory, to give somebody a good cuff around the side of the head. Like if they're in front of you and they're talking in the cinema and you go, shh, and they stop, okay, fair enough. But if they continue, you should be able to just sort of go and give them a smack. Just not mm. nothing too hard, but just enough to make them realize that they should shut the fuck up. I don't think that's... I on. agree. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly with that. By the way, some breaking news I've just seen on my t- Twitter timeline. Thomas oh. Vermarlin has been declared fit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! After joining Barcelona. I didn't think I'd see the day. Well, I'm actually quite happy for him. He was not a bad guy. I am as well, time. yeah. Um, let's hope Let's hope it lasts. Yeah. Well, there you go. That is good news. I, would, I had the rather bizarre uh, situation yesterday where, uh, having been in London since Friday, I had to go home to Dublin to work on the game, which was taking place yards from where I was staying. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, that is surreal. Mm, was bit, was, the, was the whole the whole Cess return too emotional for you to be that close to? <laughs> just thought, yeah, I've got to flee the country. Yeah, I can't. I just can't. Um, no, I mean it was it was just pure having to work on the game. And uh, Tom thankfully did the first half of the live blog as I got in with just moments to spare. But there was the match report and the player ratings and writing for ESPN and all those things which I wouldn't have been able to do had I actually been in London, which is which is quite strange. But there you go. Um, so shall we talk? You did ab- see the whole game, though. I did. I did. Yeah, I saw it all. I saw it all That's with good, my, maybe, my eyes. Maybe we, sh- maybe we should talk about it on this podcast. I was just going to say that perhaps this is this is something that we should talk about. Okay. Um, what did you think of the game? Great opening question. <laughs> it was Great good. I, yeah, I mean, we're getting yeah. right on point here. I didn't know you were preparing the questions now. <laughs> um, I <laughs> I didn't think it was the most exciting match to be honest with you. I thought the first uh, half was quite good. I thought there was an intensity to the first half that that really dissipated in the second. You know, I thought I if, that had, if that had sort of kept up during the second half, it might well have been a slightly more interesting game. But it didn't, yeah, obviously. It, so No, it felt like around the hour mark it really began to peter out. I, I felt... I wrote about this on my blog. I felt sort of frustrated after the game, but in a different way to how I, I usually feel after Chelsea matches. Usually it's frustration at the fact we've sort of humiliated ourselves and caused our own undoing. Mm. Whereas on this occasion, I was just annoyed that we weren't able to humiliate them. You know, I, I really thought this was a great chance to get over that, what is it, dozen games without beating Mourinho, 13 now. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was I was probably foolishly optimistic uh, you know, in my head, I kind of had visions of taking them apart just with a really high-intensity game. But the thing is, they're not like Liverpool. They won't crumble under that kind of pressure. And yeah, they're, they're, they're so organised. They're kind of, you know, much as it pains us to say it, they're good. You know, this is the difference bit between them and, and Liverpool. They, they're actually good and really well-organised defensively. And, you know, they've got a manager who, while certainly the biggest cunt in the entire world ever... Uh, is is uh, he's just so experienced at doing exactly what he did yesterday. Like, they killed yeah. the game completely in the second half. We did have our chances, but, you know, th- th- even in the first half, 
um, when we had lots of the ball, I think they had the more dangerous moments. Um, what, what, what were your thoughts on the uh, the penalty incidents then? The first one, Oscar and Bellerin. Which one is that? Is that the one where Oscar just sort of falls over and yeah. the penalty box? Yeah, yeah, that was a that was to me a, a clear dive. That one, yeah, agree. Um, in fact, I uh, I tweeted saying something about Oscar diving or whatever, and then that tweet obviously got picked up later by a number of Chelsea fans who thought I was referring to the incident with David Ospina. Oh, well, that was clearly um, a dive as well. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, how could you say he's diving? He's been taken to hospital. But, uh, yeah, which made me chuckle slightly, although obviously let's hope his head's OK. So, yeah, I thought that one was nothing at all. Yeah. Um, the incident then with Ospina... And Oscar, when Oscar dived into Ospina's face with his own face, mm. which was pretty dangerous. Very dangerous place. challenge. Very dangerous. You know. Um, penalty? It's a really weird one because obviously it shouldn't be allowed what Ospina did. However, the point was made by a few people yesterday, and I think it's true, is that once a shot has been got away, mm. it's very rare to see a foul given for anything that comes after the shot. I don't. It's which it's is weird, that, isn't it? Because if a, if a player played a pass, yeah, and then got absolutely creamed out of it by an opponent, then generally you get a free kick if the, you know they didn't get any advantage. Um, and Chelsea didn't necessarily get an advantage when Bellerin headed the ball around the post. But you know, I think there was something a little bit worrying about the fact that Oscar um, was allowed to continue. Uh, I saw a video this morning of him. I think it was NBC were showing um, footage of it. And, it, you know, he's lying there after getting his head smashed off Ospina's head. And he's kind of like, you know, you can see him trying not to pass out. And maybe he maybe he does pass out very briefly. But there's, a, there's an issue there, isn't there, with uh, concussion and head injuries and all that? Yeah, it was a big theme last Like, season, I don't I genuinely don't give a fuck because it's, you know, a Chelsea player. But the general point... Um, it, football doesn't seem to take it very seriously. No, they don't, and and they ought to really. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's a bit of a worry, and I think that harsh, you know, stricter rules probably should come in. But as for the as for the actual incident, I mean, yeah, it I, it ought to be a penalty. Mm. But for some reason, referees are very low. It's like if you get a shot away, they kind of deem that the ultimate advantage, and so they never pull anything back from that yeah. circumstance. But yeah, I thought. I mean, it's a clear foul, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right, Fabregas, Cazorla? Not, that was a quite a bad dive, I thought. Yeah. Because, yeah, Yeah. I mean, basically, Cazorla's got his leg hung out. The stupid thing is, if, if Fabregas doesn't dive, then he, you don't know what happens after that. There's possibility that, you know, there is a genuine uh, foul and he might win a penalty. But he, he sees the leg, goes to ground, Cazorla withdraws the leg. Yes, he clips him, but it's not a trip. Yeah. Is that is that your impression? Yeah, that would be mine. I mean, look, this whole idea that there's contact. You know, sometimes you see, I mentioned it on the blog today, you know, a player is running and there's a hand just put gently on his shoulder and the player goes down and they justify that as a penalty because there's contact. You know, contact does not mean that it's a foul. Or surely the only contact that should be, uh, that should award a penalty is when the contact is sufficient for the player to be, to be um, put off their stride or, or tumbled over, you know? So I agree with that. So what know. did you make of the, ha- the Gary Cahill handball incident then? I kind of, I kind of am with good player on this one. I'm just going to read out what he wrote about it uh, because 
I, I think this is one of those ones that players get away with all the time. Um, Good player says, I'm not a great one for claiming handballs, but the reality is that just as Cahill throwing himself to the ground like that gave him a better chance of blocking the ball with his legs, it also significantly increased the likelihood of the ball hitting his arms. So while it's true to say he couldn't get his arms out of the way, he was very much responsible for putting them there in the first place. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of... um, We've seen penalties like that that given, but we've also seen players get away with making actual saves from time to time because of the way that they go in to block the ball. Uh, and people say, well, you know, when you throw yourself in like that, you know, your hands are in that position, etc., etc. It's ball to hand. But, you know, that's not a natural position for a player to be in, like skidding along on his back with his arms in the air. So, you know, I think there's a, a, a discussion to be had on that one. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... Again, it's very hard to get a penalty for handball these days, I think. The mm. ones you see given are ones where a cross comes in the box and a player jumps up and punches it away. They're the most regular ones you've seen given. But anything where there's proximity, you know, where, where it's like the player, well, his, his hand was there, then it's very, very rare, which yeah. maybe needs maybe needs looking at. I Look, it could have been given, but equally I, I wasn't too disappointed to see it not. It's one of those that... There's there's a there's a vagueness about that rule, and you kind of have to accept that they're yeah. not all going to go your way. Especially seeing as we got away with one at the other end. I know that's not the right way for it to be, but I was happy to sort of call it even at that point. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Exactly. What should happen doesn't always happen, and that's that's part mm. and parcel of it. Um, there were, you know, at least some attempts from the the manager to try and win the game late on. It was interesting that. The subs were as late as they were. Danny Welbeck, 77 minutes. Theo Walcott, 84 minutes. Perhaps some people a little worried that we took uh, Coquelin off. It might leave us exposed. Um, you know, I think um, I think there was some merit to the ambition to try and do it. But also it, it spoke of a um, more cautious approach from Arsene Wenger that it took place later in the game. Those changes were so late. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's the sort of paradox of this result, really, is that actually Arsenal approached this game very well. I thought their game management, which is something which is usually something we've been criticised for, was actually very good. You know, I thought we contained Chelsea for for long periods, and when they did threaten on the break, we had that little cynical edge, didn't we? I mean, I know Chelsea are a cynical team, but you won't see four more cynical bookings than the ones Arsenal picked up. Yeah, they were. That was good. That was really yeah. good. You that know. is good. Uh, that shows, you know, a bit of development, a bit of maturity in the decision-making. Uh, and it's also, the draw is a decent result, you know, in in isolation. or You know, I think drawing against Chelsea, there's no shame in that at all. Mm. You know, and it keeps us very much on course for second or third place, especially with United dropping points. And, and actually, although we didn't go for it until the last 10 minutes or so, I sort of think that's something to be commended too, because... Arsene Wenger's repeatedly said in press conferences after defeats, if you can't win a game, don't lose it. And I actually thought it was quite commendable that he he stuck by that, even though personally he must have been absolutely desperate to get the win. You know, he's got this kind of this long-standing record against Mourinho, but that was overlooked in favour of the, the broader interests of the team and the club. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I get that as well. And if we had lost the game trying desperately to win it, you do get accused then of being naive or being, you know, uh, immature as a team because you've left yourself exposed. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's some positives there. And I think in general, 
this season uh, in the games against the bigger sides, we have been we have been better. That the the progress has been made. The gap is certainly smaller. Um, you know, so it's yeah. I mean, I get that. Um, the caution, I think, perhaps inhibited us a little bit in terms of the way that we that we attacked. You know, we didn't get quite as gung ho as we have done in previous years. But maybe that's maybe that's part of the lessons that that we have to learn. That you know, so. a point sometimes is better than no points at all. And you know, you look at c- certain games in the past where we have we have um, shot ourselves in the foot with the way that we've tried to to win a game that we didn't necessarily need to, or or put ourselves in position. You think back to Monaco, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So maybe there maybe there's a positive to be taken there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Arsene Wenger after the game said he was disappointed in the quality of our final ball. And I think that's valid. I think sometimes we got into decent positions in the final third, but the passing was not what it has been, say, in in recent weeks in the Premier League. Mm. Uh, I thought what was interesting as well is that obviously we saw Olivier Giroud uh, marshaled more effectively than he has been for some time. You know, I think he came up against a a pair of very experienced centre-halves and had actually quite a difficult afternoon. Yeah. So I think that massively hindered our, our attacking game too. Yeah, I mean there were there were moments I think where where perhaps uh, in the final third we didn't do quite a, quite enough or quite as much as we we should have. Um I, I liked Ozil. Um I thought Alexis struggled a little bit to be perfectly honest. Uh they so they seemed I, to, they was... seemed to know what he was going to do. You know, there wasn't maybe the unpredictability to his game that has been there in the in the early part of the season. Um, so that that kind of blunts you a little bit. I'm not sure Giroud got the greatest service in the world either. Uh, meet and drink those crosses for for Terry and Cahill. Yeah, there were a lot of crosses into the box where he was pretty much isolated in there. And as you say, that's exactly the kind of play they want to defend against, isn't it? That's that's ideal for them. As for Alexis, I agree he was a bit off. His his passing percentage was the the lowest, I think, of the outfield players. Was it, yeah? Yeah, but I mean, I think that's often the case with the guy like him because he does take a lot of risk. But I did think there was a couple of occasions where he misplaced passes without much pressure on him. But he was on the end of an absolute battering from Branislav Ivanovic. Um, yeah. He was I fouled mean, three times in the first eight minutes. Yeah. I mean, that that, that one where he put his uh, uh, studs down the Achilles, that's got to be a yellow card. You know, yeah. when Coquelin got a, a yellow card for a, a little push on Hazard uh, and he lets a guy... I mean, this is that drives me mad where the the referees or you hear the commentators say, well, you know, early in the game, the referee doesn't want to start dishing out yellow cards, etc. Cetera, et cetera. But if, if an offence is uh, worthy of a yellow card, it doesn't matter whether it's been 30 seconds into the game or 90 minutes. You know, a yellow card is a yellow card. A yellow card offence should take a yellow card. Um mm. It's got nothing to do with when it happens. No, I would agree with that. Um, other positives, I actually thought Hector Bellerin, you know, who was a bit of a surprise selection for some. Many thought Machu Dabushi would start. I thought he did pretty well mm. um, against Eden Hazard, who, you know, was named player of the year last season, but barely had a kick, did he? I mean, I didn't notice him in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the central defence was good as well. You know, yeah. there was, a, there were, you know, as much as people are talking about the uh, the Chelsea central defenders playing well, I thought ours played very well also. Um, but yeah, just we didn't quite have enough uh, from an attacking point of view. Um, I, I wanted to talk quickly just about Ramsey on the right-hand side. Um, mm. My feeling on this is that Ramsey's on the right-hand side because Arsene Wenger wants Aaron Ramsey and Santi Gazorla in the team. 
I think mm-hmm. Ramsey's out there because he's got more energy, can provide better cover perhaps for the for the fullback. But him out there, he tends to drift in field, so we get a bit narrow, and I think that was one of the issues that, that we had yesterday. Now, I, I love Santi Gazorla. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, but do you feel um, that it's becoming an either-or situation with Ramsey and Cazorla now. I think there's only room for one of them in the centre of midfield. I think... Oh, and you'd bring someone else in on the right, ideally. Yeah. I think that Ramsey's out on the right simply to get Ramsey into the team. I think Arsene likes what he offers. I thought he had some great touches yesterday, actually, yeah, on Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, and he's a goal threat. But I do think that he likes Cazorla in this central role. And, you know, if you think about the importance of partnerships in teams... Cazorla and Coquelin has actually developed into a really effective pairing, and I don't think Arsene wants to disturb that. Ramsey on the right, very narrow, always going to drift in field. I'd like to see someone maybe with a bit more natural pace out there, mm. as opposed to unnatural pace. I don't know what that would be. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, like uh, jet wheels or something like that. That would yeah, be unnatural. Yeah. I mean, I'd take that too, if we can get that. Sure. So yeah, I think I think it is approaching that point. But the problem is... I mean, who would you bring in on the right-hand side? Would you be looking at Theo Walcott, well, Danny Welbeck? C- could you could you play Danny Welbeck on the left-hand side, Alexis on the right? Mm. That you know that front trio of Alexis, Giroud, and uh, Welbeck worked pretty well a few times this season. Yeah, so yeah, that that could be one way of doing it. I mean, I think had Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain been fit, then then he would be the guy that you could play out there as well. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's on the on the on his form in the first half of the season. I think he's sort of ahead in the race for that position. Mm. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like we'll see him again this year, does it? Yeah, seems to be um, a bit dodgy. All right. Couple of quick things. What did you make of the? What did you make of the boring, boring chance? Do you think? Because I find that really interesting. Because I I know that there's probably a hint of irony to it too, because it was levelled us for so long. But I also kind of think. They must just not care at all. Well, why would? Really. Yeah, why? Yeah, why would he care? I mean, yeah. I don't understand why the media cares so much. It's like Arsenal fans having a in their own stadium just taking the piss a little bit. This, it's yeah. football for fuck's sake. So you know um, they're chanting "boring, boring Chelsea." That's not to say that fucking Chelsea aren't deserve winners of the Premier League because they will be um, because they're top of the league. They've got uh, great points. Um, uh, lead over everyone else, you know. But this idea that you know somehow we should we should all be shocked and outraged that there's a little bit of uh, I hate to use the word uh, banter, but you know, just it's just mild teasing. Like I just don't understand. Like the, the the journalists going to Mourinho asking him what they think of it, like telltales. What did you hear? What they were saying? It's like <laughs> sh- shut the fuck up. Why are you even writing about it on your in your newspapers? As if it was some egregious offence to suggest that the way Chelsea played yesterday, which was boring, was actually boring. Mm. You know, nobody's nobody's trying to take anything away from uh, from what Chelsea are going to do, and you know they're going to win the Premier League. And I doubt Chelsea give a fuck either. Nobody gives a fuck. So this is a perhaps a consequence of the game being a little bit less exciting than people thought. The na- the the narrative has to, you know, there's got to be some kind of offence taken. It's just absolute bollocks. Well, also, you know, from the press's point of view, Arsene Wenger came in, and he, as he often does in his, in his uh, when he comes up against Jose Mourinho, he played a very straight bat in his press conference. So 
everyone's looking for a line, aren't they? And as yeah. soon as Mourinho gave them that thing about boring, boring, they're like, brilliant, we've got something to say. There was nothing to say about the game. Arson didn't say anything remotely controversial. Yeah. This is a quote that we can stick on the back page. So it gets blown out of all proportion yeah. subsequently. The other thing um, I wanted to ask you about was just the, the reception of Cesc Fabregas. I know we don't like to talk about him unduly, but what did you make of kind of the the booing and then the applause when he was substituted? Well, you know, I think um, it's just one of those things. Some people are going to think he's an asshole mm-hmm. um, because of uh, because of the way that, that he left. It's always the way, isn't it, with, with, with players who leave? Um, you know, the minute you're not an Arsenal player anymore, why should we have any vested interest in you? Um, uh, and some people are a bit more vociferous about that. Some people will think um, that uh, he was a, a fantastic player, a great player to watch for Arsenal in red and white, who who gave us a lot during years when perhaps the team wasn't up to the same quality as him, and we're appreciative of that. So I think what we got essentially was uh, the full gamut of you know human nature. Some people like him, some people don't like him, and that was reflected in the reception. So you know, again, yeah. it's a completely non-story for me, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, to be honest, from my point of view, I sort of thought it was ideal because during the game, he gets the kind of pantomime booing reception yeah. that I think is appropriate. And then when he goes off, if people want to show their respect or their appreciation, that's the time to do it when he's no longer an active participant on, for the opposition. So yeah. I thought it I thought it was, uh, I thought it was quite, quite good, really. Yeah, there was a good, uh, interesting piece by uh, Barney Roney in the... Uh in mm. the Guardian today about, uh, well, the headline sort of says something about how Arsenal don't miss lightweight Cesc Fabregas, but the last thing we need is another kind of tricky, small, ball-playing midfielder, which is a reasonable point, you know? Um, I'm sure we'll get a few more, though, come the summer. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a whole drawer full of them there that Arsenal is going <laughs> to... All right, uh, I think that'll do it for part one. We're going to come back with part two and your questions right after this. Welcome back to part two of the Arscast Extra. This is the time when we answer your questions sent to us uh, by Twitter, at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog with the hashtag Arscast Extra. And uh, the first question comes today from me. So this is my question to you. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's just very quickly, what did you think of Aaron Ramsey's uh, decision not to shake hands with Piers Morgan? Uh, Piers Morgan... <laughs> was on his Twitter account saying how, you know, uh, what's-his-name, he called him, which is particularly fucking snide, uh, wouldn't shake hands with him because uh, back in 2012, he said, well, Ramsey is a complete and utter liability. And uh, when he was presented with the chance to shake uh, Morgan's hand, uh, Aaron said, I don't think I want to do that. So I think that's absolutely fair enough. I think he's entitled to do whatever he likes. Mm. Not nice to see a bit of personality from from young Aaron, who can be quite a dry figure at times. But I think uh, you know you've, you, <laughs> you've got to stand by what you say. Piers Morgan. One of the biggest problems with Piers Morgan is that he flip flops quite so dramatically, and uh, it's almost as if he does it for effect. Well, it is. It's almost as if he's doing it to gain attention. But uh, I think that. If I was Aaron Ramsey, I'd probably feel very similarly. Yeah. 
I think it was. I, I enjoyed that, I have to say. And I, I, I sort of enjoyed... Uh, I, I don't often look at Piers Morgan's timeline, but I enjoyed the, the the bits where he was trying to make out that all Arsenal fans were the ones you know, who were saying he was a liability. And then, after a few good games, they all changed their minds. I like the, the irony of that. When you, you know, <laughs> obviously referring to his flip-floppery. Um, but yeah, well done, Aaron. That's what I say. Indeed. Um... Shall I ask you a question then? Yes, please. Well, it's not actually me. It's it's going to be... Who's it going to be? Let's have a look. It's going to be Steve Moore. Steve Moore 4116 on Twitter. And you touched on it earlier. He says, Do you agree with Thierry Henry's comments on Sky that Giroud isn't good enough and we need four new players? I think that it's the easiest thing in the world to say this club needs new players... Like, it's intangible. They need a world-class striker or whatever it was he said. I didn't really watch because I don't tend to watch the punditry. But Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I've seen people talk about it on Twitter. Um, you know what? What? What is the what is the difference between Arsenal and Chelsea right now in terms of points? Is it ten or seven or nine or what is it? Something like, something like that. Uh, sure. I'll just get the table up here. So it's yeah, it's ten, uh, and they have a game in hand. So yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot. Oh no, they don't have a game in hand. Um, there's a lot to make up, but I think you know. Did he actually say Giroud is not good enough? I, so I haven't seen it, but I'm led to believe that he said, I, th- I think Arsenal still need a world-class striker. You can't win the league with Giroud as your centre-forward. Um, yeah. Which, which surprises me. I mean, I suppose the, the important context for this is, and I don't know if you've been on top of this, but Omri's come in for quite a lot of stick this week. There have been yeah. various sort of opinion pieces criticising his punditry, saying... And the accusation has been levelled that he's, you know, a bit loath to criticise people who he's played with or that he's been associated with. I half wonder if these comments are kind of a response to that criticism, you know, that Sky have sort of told him to be a bit more forthright in his opinions. Yeah. Um, because to be honest with you, I, if you look at who Chelsea's centre-forward is, Diego Costa, I'm not sure there's a, a significant gap between Giroud and Costa in terms of quality. Well, certainly in terms of the goals scored this season, there's not a massive gap either, is there? Um, yeah. I wonder, does that now make things a little bit awkward? Because we know Thierry is around Arsenal. 
doing his badges and all that kind of stuff. And if he's essentially said that one of the reasons Arsenal cannot win the title is Olivier Giroud, that, that is going to make things a bit awkward. I mean, I think you've got to look at your squad and if there's the chance to bring in a better player in any position, you, you do that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Particularly particularly striker. But I don't think you could say that the reason we're not challenging for the title this season is anything to do with Olivier Giroud. Certain, like, it's not. The reason yeah. is we didn't play well enough in the first three months, four months of the season. Didn't find any consistency. We were short defensively. Uh, we didn't have the right balance in midfield. That's where the issue was. So, seems a bit odd to me, that one, I have to say. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a bit of a strange remark. And I also think, you know, had Giroud been fit for the entire season, we'd probably have a bad points tally. Because yeah. as soon as he came back into the side, his impact was immediate. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, as you say, if a world... If an absolute world-class centre-forward becomes available, someone in that kind of Aguero mould, then obviously you do what you can to get them. But I don't think he's an obstacle to winning the league. I think that I think a side contender could win the league if, if yeah. they were doing enough in the in the other departments. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Like, don't drop points uh, away at Leicester. Don't yeah. drop points at home to Hull. Don't lose to fucking shit Tottenham and draw with the shit Tottenham at home. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I find that a little bit strange. And, uh, you know, maybe there is a bit of pressure on him to be controversial or a bit more something, less bland. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I guess people will react to that. I mean, look, it's just sh- shit people say on TV, isn't it? So... Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Um, Okay. This one comes from um, at Gunnar UK, Rob, who's at Gunnar Mm. UK. And he said the debate in Block 13 yesterday was on wanting to win the title in any way versus only doing it with style. Where do you stand? Uh, I saw this question as well. It's a very good question. I... I mean, if you offered me a title win now, I think I'd take it by hook or by crook. I don't think that the style of... I think, this, you know, I think winning is more enjoyable than playing well, fundamentally. Yeah. That's kind of my point of view on it. And if you're winning games as a fan, I think you will be reveling in it regardless of the style of football that you're playing. And if people criticise you for it, I think you'll be inclined to turn around and say, well, look at the league table. And I think that kind of pragmatism is important in winning a league. I mean, Chelsea are in an interesting position. I asked my brother about this. I was like, does it get to you at all, the thing of you know, criticism of the style or what have you? And he said, no, because when you're a club who's had tremendous tradition and history of playing good football and, and winning titles, there's a certain obligation to meet that criteria. Mm. Um, But Chelsea are a club who are trying to establish like a a dynastic sense. They're trying to establish that winning mentality. And at this stage in their trajectory, I don't think it matters as much to them. I just think they want to get trophies on the board because as we all know, for 50 years, they didn't. So I, I do think it's a slightly different case. Arsenal do have this culture of good football, but I think winning's always got to come first, hasn't it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Who gives a shit how you win it once you win it? If you can combine style 
and consistency and effectiveness, then then all the better. But I also, you know, I think there comes a point in a season where there's a, perhaps a pragmatism in in you know playing in a certain way that when you've got a ten point lead at the top of the table, a nil nil draw or a draw away from home against the only team that can catch you. That's just common sense. Why would you go out and play expansive, attacking, free-flowing football? You know, I, I wouldn't want to see us do it. Like, I'd quite happily watch us grind out a nil-nil if we were in the same position. Um, and I think as well that perhaps, you know, Chelsea, um, I think, in the in the first part of the season, played some very good football, some very good attacking football, um, and got the points on the board early to... You know, to enable them to play in this way. Similarly, there have been times when we've been lauded for the kind of attacking football that everyone loves to see, and it hasn't always been that great, has it? You know, there have been times where, where we've had this reputation for playing beautiful football, and I can remember, you know, a couple of seasons where I've just been glad it's over because, you know, the football <laughs> yeah. just hasn't been that enjoyable. It hasn't been great to watch. Like, we ground out um, one of the years... I think we, you know, when we pipped Tottenham to the to the top four places, we were grinding out single goal wins. Like there were something like eight in our last ten games, one nils and two ones, and the football was not in the least bit free flowing or att- attractive. Uh, but the results were all that mattered, and we did that. We played football in a very pragmatic way to to get the results. So you know, I think, look, there are many sticks you can beat. Um, every team in the league with and you can accuse them of this that and the other but you know fuck it it's all about winning that's what it comes down to and how you win um, isn't really relevant like no I agree and I think you know as Mourinho was leaving the press conference yesterday someone asked him does it bother you that you'll never be loved by the neutrals and he just laughed, and, and, and to be honest, I think who does want to be loved by the neutrals? You know what I mean? Who wants to be the lovable losers? Nobody. Yeah, I, I kind of think if you're not loved by the neutrals, it's because you're. You know, no one loved Manchester United in the 1990s when they were winning everything and playing very good attacking football. Exactly. You yeah. know, I sort of think it's a competitive sport. It's tribal. If I sort of think if you're being loved by the neutrals. I don't know, you might not be doing something right. So, yeah, I think winning's got to come first every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, is it my question? It certainly is. Okay, this is one from Tiki Techers, and he asks, Cazorla is technically perfect and crazily ambidextrous, but why can't he strike a ball well? Well, you know, he can strike uh, a dead ball very well. Yeah. You know, great free kicks. I thought some of the deliveries yesterday were good. Um, you know, he can take corners. Uh, he can take free kicks with either foot. You know, we've seen him nearly score a free kick with his left foot, and he's ostensibly a right-footed player. But, you know, um, we've seen him take corners with his supposedly wrong foot. But his shooting is bizarre. I don't know what it is. I genuinely don't know what it is because uh, the moment yesterday when it opened up for him, uh, Koscielny, I think, made an interception, charged down, cut the ball back with his left foot. Cazorla's on the edge of the box, and you're thinking, yes, come on. Um, and, and he's just got the technical ability to do pretty much anything with that ball. Mm. But when he's in front of goal, his, his shooting has been has been way off. I, I can't think of a good reason why that is, other than he's sort of become a little bit aware of it. 
Uh, because in his first season, his shooting was excellent. I think he had 12 goals, didn't he? Um, mm-hmm. and, and a couple from a couple from distance. Um, but nowadays, they're more likely to go over the bar or wide, or the contact that he makes with the ball isn't the the right one, you know? So the only thing I can think of is that it's it's he's become aware of it and it's become a thing in his in his head. Yeah, I think he does seem a bit jittery, doesn't he, when the ball comes to him in open play in front of goal. Yeah. He, he actually mean, had a decent chance yesterday. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you then, um, while we're here, if you had to choose three players from the Arsenal team, the ball is being rolled across the box um, to the top of the D, and there's a player coming onto it, who are the three players in this Arsenal team that you would want to be on the end of that, the top three? That's a great question. Um Aaron Ramsey's the first one who springs to mind, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think he's one of the better finishers in the team still. Uh, Alexis Sanchez, I would have. Mm-hmm. Um, see, now I'm struggling. <laughs> well, I think Giroud hits, uh, hits the ball well. He does, he does, although... Yeah, I suppose we're not used to seeing him shoot from that distance, but he's got good technique. So, yeah, I'd say Giroud as well. So they would be... They would be my three, especially with, with Podolsky out on loan. So yeah. they, they, they'd be my trio. Would you differ from that at all? Yeah, I mean, I think Ramsey would be... I think Ramsey cracks it very well. I think there was one yesterday he smashed and it hit Giroud right in the right in the chest, mm. nearly knocked the wind out of him. Um, I think Giroud scored a couple of decent goals from, from distance from us. There was one against Manchester United, one against, one against Man City as well, wasn't there, in the uh, Community Shield? Yeah, and I always remember his shot against Everton last year. Do you oh. remember that? It hit the bar. Yeah. So yeah, maybe him. Um, Oxley Chamberlain as well. Got a decent, decent shoot, shooting boots range thing. He has, although um, yeah, it's, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's 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 one of those things where, I guess when you when you play football every day of the week, you expect players to be a bit better at that fairly intrinsic part of the game. Maybe it's more difficult than we like to think it is. Maybe, but it's it's probably the most fun to practice, you'd imagine. Yeah. You know, just firing off pot shots. So yeah. Shooting it's, practice. Exactly, yeah. That's the bit surely everyone looks forward to. I think, is there a similarity, do you think, between Cazorla and Ozil in that respect, in that they're both extraordinarily technically gifted. They can strike a dead ball. We saw Ozil score that free kick against Liverpool. But mm. when chances fall to them in open play... There's just a, a, a surprising lack of conviction. I, well, you know, I'd like to see Ozil shoot a bit more. There are times where the ball is there and he could have a crack, but I think his first inclination is to look for somebody look for somebody in a better position than him. Whereas mm-hmm. sometimes, and players um, have benefited from this in the past, uh, sometimes if you do have a crack from distance and you get it pretty much on target, if it's flying through a sea of legs or it might take a little deflection or it, it might cause the keeper to push it away or rebound, you know, I think we could, as a team... Um, be a little more ambitious when it comes to the shooting. So, okay, yeah. So there you Return go. of the shoot chance. Yes, yes. <laughs> shoot. Okay, my turn. Is it? I think so. All right. Um, this one comes from Matt Corbett, who's at Matt G Corbett, and he thinks: Do you think media manipulation is required to be considered a top manager in the modern game? What? And I guess he's sort of referring to Mourinho and... You know, well, the, he is the arch manipulator of the media, really. I mean, I, l- listen, I don't think Arsene Wenger's too bad. I mean, I think you've got to remember, think, remember that journalists are absolutely enamoured with Wenger. He's, he's 
apart from Mourinho, he's probably the most entertaining manager in the Premier League in terms yeah. of giving you a decent quote. Um, I don't. Maybe it's required to be considered a great manager because inevitably the press are drawn to people who give good copy. Oh yeah, ha- good point. But. I don't think it's required to be a good manager. Ultimately, if you're winning games on the pitch, I don't think it matters a jot what you say in the press conference. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess it, it, it maybe it helps you shape the... It helps shape your image and the perception of you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think the results at the, at the end of the day are what speak for themselves. I mean, Manuel Pellegrini won the league last year, but he's, he's not the most engaging of characters, is he? But he's picked up the trophy. So yeah. I, I kind of feel... What happens more often is that managers who aren't that great get a reputation that is greater than their ability based on their manipulation of the media. Oh, so is this the Redknapp principle? That is the Redknapp principle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there are a few other exponents out there, but I think he is the, he's sort of the king of that particular trick. Okay. So, yeah, there's, I think that's the key word, isn't it? To be considered a top manager rather than mm. to be a top manager. Um, yeah. Okay, good. Good answer. What? Okay, this is an interesting one. This comes from um, SK, who's S-Kiss-Speak... Oh, hang on. Skiss-Speaking is his Twitter handle. Lots Sounds like fun. There. Difficult for me. It does, doesn't it? He asks, if you had to play in a mask due to a broken nose, what kind of mask would it be? Uh, I would say a, a clown. Clown mask. For terrifying. The, yeah, terrifying, because clowns obviously are really, really scary. Like, yeah, I don't like clowns, and I don't like birds, so a winged clown would be would be possibly <laughs> the most terrifying thing I could think of. But the, the, the advantage of playing in the clown mask is that you're behind the mask, so you wouldn't be terrifying yourself. You're not looking at yourself, whereas anybody... Who um, anybody who who had to look at you could be could be put off by this evil clown. The second one I would choose. Um, do you remember the movie American Werewolf in London? Mm. And uh, I think there's this dream sequence where uh, you know he's sitting in his family home and all these strange guys come in wearing like evil pig masks, if I remember correctly, and then they shoot up the whole family in the place and. But, but those those um, those masks always, I found those a bit scary. Yeah. That's cool. That's quite a good idea. I think I would go. You mentioned werewolf. I think I'd go for like a, a wolf head type mask. You know. Yeah. Because a it would obviously intimidate the opposition, but also it would allow me to feel like I was recreating the film Teen Wolf, which was <laughs> quite a formative part of my of my adolescence. Did you want to so, be a basketball hero? Is that, that what was going on? Well, a football, a footballing werewolf, right? Really? Yeah. You know, just keep it realistic. Okay. Okay. So that would be my answer. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, here's one from John at Ormy eighty eight, and he says, "I reckon we're two top players away from the title." Going back to what Thierry said, he reckons four, but he says, uh, "I've no idea which two players they are." <laughs> Do you? Messi and Ronaldo. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest with you. It's actually, I find this summer a very difficult one to call. You know, normally I think we go into summer and there's a very clear sense of, well, we must sign 
X precision. Do you know what I mean? We must sign a centre half. We must sign a holding midfielder. We must sign a centre forward. Yeah. I feel like this year, it's much more difficult to say. We have a more complete squad than we're accustomed to. So what it really, you know, I'm going to sound like Arsene Wenger here, but what it it really becomes about is is that whole super quality thing. Can you find someone who's better than what you've got? Mm. And I think if you can do that in any position, it's worthwhile. Um, whether it's two or four. I don't know. I think it, it. I just think it depends on who's available because I don't think there's there's barely a position in which it's worth buying for the sake of buying for the sake of depth. Yeah. I think it's only worth doing at this stage if it's an upgrade on what's available. Right. What do right. you think? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think that with a couple of players we could easily um, be competitive in the title race next season. I don't think we need four players, and I think the idea of of four players coming in. Is is pretty unrealistic. Um, I mean, I think that would have to go out. Well, I think I think we're going to see some departures. Uh, I don't think Thomas Rosicki will be around next season. Mm-hmm. I don't think Matthew Flamini will be around next season. No, nor do I. I suspect that Santi might go back to Spain in the mm-hmm. summer. I think there's a good chance of that. Uh, but what I think will happen in in those situations is that. The natural attrition, if you like, of of the Flamini and the Rosicki, um will be made up for by Oxley Chamberlain, by uh, Jack Wilshire being given more chances in, in the first team. Um, whether or not um, those those gaps can be filled with a with a signing, I mean, I think if you bring in, if you were to bring in a really top goalkeeper. And if you were to bring in somebody who would uh, can play with or uh, give give back up to, is everything all right there? Does something happen? Some sort of package has come through the door. Right. Okay. Uh, it wasn't like a picture falling off the wall and in a precursor <laughs> to a poltergeist style adventure. No. Not yet. No. All right. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, so maybe if you got in like a Schneiderlin, so you've got Cockerland and Schneiderlin as your options there because. You know, if you don't have Cockle in them, what do you do? So maybe that's where you need the backup. So I think two players. If I had so, to pick two, I'd pick another um, strong midfield player and I'd pick a, a, a really good goalkeeper. And would you... The one I sometimes wonder about is that third position in the front three. If you think Olivier Giroud, I think on this season's form, is going to maintain his place. Obviously, Alexis Sanchez... I know we talked about Oxlade-Chamberlain on that right-hand side, but I feel like if there's room for an attacking signing, that's where it might be. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do wonder. I don't know if we're going to see much in the way of attacking signings. Unless, unless he can get something something like uh, the Dortmund guy, you know. Royce. Royce. Royce, Royce, maybe. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, attackers would have to leave, but we have got three out on loan whose whose futures are in some doubt. I would say, yeah, yeah, we've been there. I don't think any of them will will make it or will come back. To be honest, maybe Sonogo will come back, um, but again, would probably go out on loan once more. Yeah, so we'll see. All right, have you got another one? 
One more? I don't know if I have, actually. Um, you said at the start when we said when we were discussing this, you said, I've got loads of questions. And I said, I'm I did, not I was sure. bragging. I'm not sure if I've got enough questions, you know, picked out or enough variety. And you said, don't worry about it. Just ask me. I've got loads of questions. So here we are. But here's, uh, the, here's the issue. Right. Some of the questions I had, you have since asked me. Oh. Oh. Yeah. It's a bit of overlap. Exactly. There's been some serious overlap. We've both recognised the quality of those particular questions. Mm. Uh, so it's, you know, it's all gone to part, really. Mm. I'm now scrolling through the questions. I mean, obviously, there are loads, and they're all they're all worthwhile. Yeah, well... Do you want to do one more? Well, I think we better now. You know, we've set the expectation. So you, you continue to scroll until you find one. I can, can add in some incidental music, if you like. Okay, yeah, please do. I will. Even after all that music, you couldn't find anything. So I've got one here. And it came in actually by email. So that's why uh, I didn't think I had it. It came in from Gunnar in China, whose uh, name is Eamon. Um, And he says, After our 2-0 defeat to Chelsea earlier this season, the panel on the live Arscast Extra unanimously agreed that Arsenal would not win another Premier League title under Arsene Wenger. Given what you have seen uh, this season since then, do you now believe we can? Ooh. He's clever, isn't he? He's, he's, he's got us there. Yeah. Uh, I'm much more optimistic, certainly. Uh, yes, I I think we could, which is a massive turnaround. Yeah. Like I I, I and I, when I said that back in September, I think it was October. 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 I was absolutely certain in my conviction that it wouldn't happen. You know, but I think the main thing that's changed genuinely has been Francis Cochrane. I just I don't know if I necessarily thought that Arsene Wenger would ever buy a player who was that focused on the defensive aspect of the game. He'd neglected to do so for so long. But the fact that we've sort of stumbled upon one has changed the whole balance of the team, really, and makes me feel a lot better about our title chance for next season. I think it'll be very difficult mm. because of the nature of the competition. But I wouldn't rule it out. And that that is the success of this season, really. Yeah. I mean, it's always been very difficult. That's the thing. It's never been an easy thing to achieve. Um, no. But I think you know, we, we put ourselves in a position where we made it more difficult for ourselves than it really should have been. Uh, you know, particularly after the, the start to the season. I don't think the 2-0 defeat to Chelsea was uh, a huge damaging uh, issue for our title hopes. That was three points it was all the other games that we dropped points in um and if you'd asked me around christmas time i still mm-hmm. probably would have said no but i think there's been enough encouragement that i would suggest with the right purchases that yes we could not that we will because of, you know i'm not a fortune teller but i think the manager has has to get some credit for for changing the team around, even if he did stumble upon the Cockerland thing, you know, as as a as a unit, it's much more balanced. Um, the run of form that we're on, 
Um, you know, some of that obviously has got to be got to be down to the manager as well. So yeah, I think we could. I think we could. Um, once we get those uh, eight players in this summer, um, <laughs> and the uh, twelve players uh, over the January transfer window, then I think it's it's certainly possible. Look at us, we're flip flopping. God, you're like Piers Morgan. I know. We'll ask and shake our hand. Remains to be seen. It does indeed. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> Look. I mean, if he's seen me dressed as him in a wig, I think he's going to have reservations anyway. I think so. I think so. Have I spoken about this before? My constant terror whenever I'm in a press conference with him that he that he may have come across one of those videos and that he might recognise me. That is <laughs> something that genuinely haunts me. Whenever I ask him a question and he looks at me a funny way, I'm like, oh, God, he knows. Yeah, oh, that would be hilarious. So if he just, like, if it just twigged in yeah. his brain, like, you know, and then he'd be, it's you. It's, <laughs> it's you. I don't I sing like that. How dare I you? I wonder what Arson is uh, like as a singer. You think he's a good singer? I'm sure he's better than me. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I imagine he enjoys a little sing. So everyone says he's quite a jovial character behind the scenes. What sort of music do you think he likes? I, I don't know, but maybe you should um, maybe you should ask him in a press conference and say, um, Arson, what is your um, favourite song from a, uh, a snow-themed Pixar movie <laughs> with three letter, three words in the title, last one go, second one it? You know, what yeah. would what would be your favourite and? Just you know, try tease it out of him. Maybe, mm. maybe. I think I've done enough enough teasing of Arsenal in my time. Yeah, I'd say but, he likes uh, uh, Guns and Roses. Exactly. I think Rosicky's got him into the metal. Yeah, I can see Arson wearing like the kilt and everything. Yeah, that would be that would be a strong <laughs> look for him. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? I'd like that on the, the bench. Yeah, Arson Wenger in a red kilt and cycling shorts underneath. Mm. That would be great. That would be smashing. All right. Well, look, we're all, we're all friends now, us and us, and we're going to win the league next year. Yeah. So, all right, exciting times. Uh, we won't be here next Monday, will we? Because um, we're not playing until oh. Monday night when we face Hull away from home. So we have a good long week uh, to rest and recuperate, get all those uh, tired limbs uh, up to speed before we go to Humberside next Monday. So we'll have an Arscast extra for you on Tuesday. We'll do that. Okay. Tuesday, uh, and we can discuss what happens against Hull. Arscast regular will be here on Friday. Uh, until then, uh, have a good uh, have a good week. Bye bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 